0: You ever watch this guy on television? You all were not telling the truth and you should not be trusted. Congressman Matt Gates, thank you for what you yeah. did for your country tonight. Be offended with the Democratic whip, not House Republicans. Like a machine, Matt Gates. Welcome to Hot Takes. I'm Congressman Matt Gates. Happy Veterans Day to everyone. The district I represent has one of the highest concentrations of active duty military and veterans in the country. Veterans coach our ball teams. They are the parents who help out in our classrooms and they enrich our community with an elite level of patriotism that is so valuable, so cherished, so appreciated. So if you have a moment today, make sure that you thank a veteran for being among those willing to step forward, fight for our country, and provide their skills for the betterment of the greatest nation that has ever existed. Today's top story comes from the Epic Times, dead and voting in the state of Michigan. Peter Swab has the piece and it's astonishing what this particular study found. More than 10,000 people confirmed or suspected dead have returned their mail-in ballots to vote in the state of Michigan. According to analysis of the state's election data, about 9,500 voters confirmed dead through the Social Security Death Index are marked in the state's mail-in voting database as having returned ballots. So Social Security thinks they're dead, but they're actually voting in the state of Michigan. Another nearly 2,000 are 100 years old or more and aren't listed as being known living centenarians. So the analysis was provided by Richard Barris, who's the director of Big Data Poll. The data includes that somebody else was trying to vote on behalf of these people and and this is a quote from barris quote it is also entirely possible that some of them aren't even real people if someone is 110 or some ridiculous age we should have their death record but do not so americans older than 110 are pretty darn rare only a handful of them are known to live in the state of michigan and so it's very bizarre that you have this high propensity of people registering to vote, voting, and some of them we know are dead, others we suspect are dead. Now, I'm not sure that this exact analysis proves that there is fraud at the scale to overturn the specific result in the state of Michigan, but I don't think that that ought to be the standard for us to take curative action to fix the problem. Right now, Joe Biden is ahead by about 150,000 votes in Michigan far more than the 10,000 that would potentially be implicated through this analysis. But I do believe that we've got to clean up our election process, not just for the sake of the 2020 election, but for the sake of every election that will follow. And I'm willing to bet that this dead vote swung overwhelmingly for Joe Biden. So we got to clean it up. We got to get to the bottom of it. We've got to use state legislators and governors and state elections officials to clean the voter rolls and ensure that we have a fair, reliable, legal vote count in this election and every one that follows. If you loot, we shoot. That's the message Governor Ron DeSantis is sharing with those who would potentially do harm to my fellow Floridians, Ron DeSantis proposing today an expansion of Florida's Stand Your Ground law to ensure that anyone who is attacked as a consequence of mobs or riots has the full complement of self-defense available at their fingertips for response. So here's how the law has developed around the Stand Your Ground law. In the common law, there is a duty to retreat if someone attacks you and you have the ability to retreat. Well, we didn't believe in Florida that you should have to have a duty to retreat, that you ought to be able to meet force with force. So first we passed the Castle Doctrine, which says that your home is your castle and if someone breaks into your home with the intent to commit a felony or do a harm, then you have the ability to respond with requisite force. We then expanded the Castle Doctrine to include encounters that one might have on a public street. So if you're, you know, outside in a park, on a beach, and someone attacks you with deadly force in the state of Florida, and you have a reasonable fear that they are attacking you with deadly force, you don't have a duty to retreat. You actually have the ability to respond with deadly force, and it is a complete defense. Now, Governor DeSantis is saying that that very same right to respond with deadly force if you are under attack would apply in the event of, looting or rioting and i think it's a good thing to deter this type of violence with our laws and to put the law on the side of law-abiding people if someone's not breaking the law if they're managing their storefront if they're going to get their hair done or their nails done or make a purchase they should not have to worry that the latest political kerfluffle will justify violence Far too many governors and mayors in some of these left-wing areas are willing to tolerate violence. In Florida, we will not. If you loot, we shoot. And that's exactly how we like it in the Sunshine State. Resignations, departures, and exodus at the United States Department of Justice. And some might say it didn't quite come soon enough. Richard Pilger was the head of the elections crimes unit and he has resigned that position following Attorney General Bill Barr's memo indicating that the department needs to investigate these substantial irregularities in the voting process. Pilger resigns from that post. He ends up being reassigned as a line prosecutor in the Public Integrity Division but one has to ask the question, why was he given this really important position in the first place? Shouldn't the Trump administration, Attorney General Bill Barr, ensured that the person we had as the head of the election crimes division was aggressive? Here's my hot take. We did not do enough prophylactic work to stop fraud on the front end. The way fraud works with these mail-in ballots is typically before the election day. It is the harvesting and the signing of ballots, the returning them, the Funny games that some may play with the dating of ballots. All these things that could potentially happen happen before election day. And it is just incredibly difficult following the election to go and build the case for fraud because oftentimes the ballots that have the identifying information, the signatures, have already been separated from the ballots themselves. If there were failures to protect the integrity of the vote in this election, those failures can be traced directly to Richard Pilger and his inability to go and ensure that we had the protocols and procedures and safeguards in place, particularly in some of these urban areas where there's a history of stuffing ballot boxes and limiting the utility of legal and lawful votes by polluting those votes with improper votes. And, and this is an endeavor that is going to call on many of us to do work in the years to come. State legislators will have a specific role to play in this process. I discussed it on the Sean Hannity program last night. Take a listen. Every Republican state legislator has an obligation now to pursue election integrity legislation in their state to ensure that we do not have these mass mailings of ballots. We deserve to know that the person who voted that ballot intended to vote that ballot. And once you get the ballots separated from the signature envelopes, it becomes very difficult to chase the fraud after the fact. You have to catch the fraud in the act. That's why Florida's laws create greater confidence in the outcome in the election. In every state in America, we absolutely need our Republican colleagues looking for ways to use technology better, to use verification better. I mean, we have ways to identify people in this country. If you don't think so, try getting on an airplane, but somehow we treat the ballot box, the voting process uh, less important from an identity verification standpoint, and that has to change if we want honest elections. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi had a hard time with the question of whether she would condemn socialism. She ultimately refused to do it. Take a listen. Welcome to my world. We always have <laughs> we always have a beautiful uh, dynamism in our caucus. But no, I think people are uh, that some people. I I would say we have a healthy difference of opinion within our caucus, but not in any way to be problematic in how we legislate. What the conversation was about, what is the winning message outside? And the message in the districts that we have to win is the message that unifies us, a message for America's working families, and everybody knows that. So there are many rumors. There's a lot of speculation surrounding the leadership future of Nancy Pelosi. House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy said he doesn't believe she has the votes to be Speaker. A Newsweek also put out a piece recently saying that they expect her to be unopposed for the Speaker position among her fellow Democrats. So there are a few things that I want to talk about to break this analysis down. First, don't ever bet against Nancy Pelosi. Regardless of what you may think about her tactics or her ideology, she rules the Democratic Caucus in the House of Representatives with an iron fist. A lot of them are afraid of her, so I wouldn't bet against her re-election as speaker among her fellow Democrats. Now, the, the second thing I would note is that she does have problems that exist both on the left and on the right of her caucus. With the squad, she had to make deals last time to secure the votes to be speaker. She had to give them the very prize, plum committee assignments that they wanted, that they might not have otherwise earned as freshmen, but they had the power, they wielded it correctly, and they got what they wanted out of Pelosi. But also on the more moderate side of the caucus, you know, there are people like Jim Cooper of Tennessee who won't vote for Nancy Pelosi. Connor Lamb is back in Congress and he did not vote for Nancy Pelosi. He voted for Joe Kennedy. So there are moderates and there are socialists who have questions about her leadership. But my expectation is you're gonna have to pry that speaker gavel from the cold dead hands of Nancy Pelosi. She's not gonna be giving it up easily. Now let's talk about the Republican side and the leadership races. There are times I've disagreed with Kevin McCarthy, his strategy, his tactics, but there's no question that Kevin McCarthy deserves re-election as the Republican leader in the House of Representatives. He unified our caucus to defend the president. He protected every Republican member, not a single Republican incumbent lost this election. And we picked up a lot of seats making it more difficult for Democrats to be able to pursue their wildest, most destructive socialist policies. So when you unify the party, when you have good candidate recruitment and good fundraising, and when you win seats, you deserve reelection despite disagreement. House Whip Steve Scalise similarly is a really the heart and soul of our caucus, and I expect he'll be re-elected as the Republican Whip. One person I am not voting for is Liz Cheney. No Republican in the House of Representatives did more to oppose the Trump agenda and frustrate the Trump agenda during these last four years than Liz Cheney. She does not deserve to be one of the leaders of our caucus. I don't know if anyone will run against her. Frankly, I don't know if anyone else particularly wants to be the chair of the conference, but she is no leader of the movement that I'm a part of to put America first, to put our people first, uh, and to ensure that... President Trump's impact on the Republican Party is an enduring one because he has held views that are different than Republicans past, who I think have been too corporatist in their approach. And so a blue collar, worker first, pro-America Republican Party uh, is not one that I believe Liz Cheney could effectively represent. And whether she's elected to this position or not, she is no leader in our movement. America's Newsroom is a daytime program on the Fox News Channel. One of the hosts is Sandra Smith, and boy did Sandra Smith have a hot take that was leaked. Uh, There was a Trace Gallagher interview of people regarding the election and the activities surrounding that election. And so you're gonna hear Trace Gallagher engaged in an interview and how folks are responding to his questions, and then you will also hear the female voice of Sandra Smith quite frustrated and confused. Take a listen. Whoever is decided to be the president, remember, just because CNN says, or even Fox News says that somebody's president doesn't make them president. So I think everybody wants to know that this was done properly Mm -hmm. and legally. What is happening, Trace, we've called it. And I think we have to look into every one of these concerns. Here's my hot take. This was not something that was on air. This was not something that was leaked by some producer. I honestly believe that this Sandra Smith hot take video was leaked by Fox News PR. Think about it. If a producer accesses footage, there is a very clear record in the Fox News system as to who accesses it. You're able to track that and see that and potentially punish that person. So I got a hard time believing that some like you know, producer in their 20s went and harvested this off-air footage of Sandra Smith and then leaked it. I think it's far more likely that the Fox News channel and some of the executives there wanted to virtue signal to the anti-Trump audience that they're just disgusted by those who would demand a review of the legitimacy of votes and Fox News and all of their experts have called this election and they want a certain echelon of the people out there in the country to gravitate to this acceptance of how the election went down and obviously if the legal process concludes and if joe biden is sworn in as president we'll accept that and just like tucker carlson said we'll encourage others to do the same but that is not where we currently stand there are legitimate allegations of fraud there are affidavits signed describing weird entry points and times for ballots being counted unfair opportunity for the president's campaign to review this counting process. And so I think there's enough smoke that there's probably some fire. And I don't know if it's enough fire to burn down the election, but it's certainly worth an investigation. And for Fox News to potentially have leaked this, which I bet they did, is a sign where that network is going, particularly during their daytime programming. I think in the PM hours, you've got Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, Uh, Others who have sufficient control over their theme and style and message that uh, I think you'll hear a consistent message once the sun goes down. But when the sun's up, it's a different kind of Fox News. And based on this leaked video, I think they want you to know it. Three people have been banned from Yellowstone National Park because they tried to cook chickens in the hot springs. The New York Times' Johnny Diaz and Concepcion De Leon have the story. There was a scoutmaster who was used to going in Yellowstone National Park with his troops. Every once in a while, they'd boil some hot dogs in the hot springs and have them as sort of a way to live off the land. And this time, they upgraded from the hot dogs with a couple friends to two whole chickens in burlap sacks. They were busted by park rangers who saw them hauling cooking equipment toward the hot springs, and apparently it's illegal to do that. They've got two years probation and are facing between a $500 and $1,200 fine. It is noteworthy that they brined the chickens beforehand. They still ate the chickens, and they said they were fantastic. Apparently this is uh, something that's frowned upon. Who knows if they're banned from all the national parks or just Yellowstone, but if your approach is to throw some brine chicken in a hot spring and eat it, you might get a good chicken, but you might also get probation. I guess we're glad it's probation and not like hard time incarceration. Can you just imagine that? Like, hey, what are you in for? Murder. Hey, what are you in for? Robbery. Hey, what are you in for? Well, I tried to cook two chickens at a hot spring at Yellowstone National Park. That probably wouldn't get someone the toughest reputation on the prison yard. Thanks for listening to Hot Takes, I'm Congressman Matt Gates. This podcast is written, produced and directed by a team that includes Luke Ball and Joel Valdez and I appreciate them especially on this Veterans Day, a federal holiday for taking the time to produce the pod and get the information out to the American people. You can reward that effort by subscribing, giving us a five star rating on iTunes or whatever your listening platform is of choice. And make sure you join us each and every weekday, even sometimes on federal holidays, as we deliver more hot takes.